Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Sean Witt. It is entitled, 37 Days. Sean. Thank you, Ron. Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to see all you here today, smiling faces. And it's a little gloomy outside, but it's nice to have this cooler temperatures and the rain. We definitely need it. Okay, so 37 days. 37 days till the feast. It's coming up on us quick. When we have important events come up in our lives, we need to prepare for them. Tests, job, interviews, etc. And the feast should be no different. We need to be preparing for the feast as well, just like we would for anything else. Like I said, it's hard to believe. It's already August 22nd, and the feast will be here before we know it. It's like roughly four weeks away, basically. You know, you'd think after 40 years of keeping the feast, it wouldn't sneak up on me, but it still does every single year. <laughs> it seems to catch me by surprise. Have you ever been to a feast where you haven't prepared for it? It really makes a big difference if you have. You know, it can cause more trouble and problems if you don't prepare. Once you get there, it's, it makes it harder. First of all, the feast is a commanded assembly. We need to take it seriously. So please turn with me to Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 through 17. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress. And let's see, I was reading off the back. And you shall rejoice at your feast, and your son and your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, and your Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days shall you keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all your work of your hands. So you should surely rejoice. So we're supposed to go to the feast and rejoice. Today I'd like to share with you some ways in which we can be motivated to prepare for our upcoming feast. So we're not caught off guard when it arrives. And so we can truly rejoice while we're there. You know, when we took a test in school, we didn't prepare for it, and we failed as a result, of not preparing, did we rejoice after the fact? Or were we disappointed in ourselves so we hadn't prepared better? I like Benjamin Franklin's quote, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Let me say it again, just make sure I get it across. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. God wants us to be able to rejoice before him. If we come to the feast unprepared, It'll not be easy for us to rejoice properly. All right, my first point. Don't get distracted. We should be pumped up. The feast is coming, and it's only a few weeks away now. As the feast approaches, it's easy, very easy to get distracted. You've heard the saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Well, Satan seems like, Satan uses the motto, if you can't beat them, distract them. And as I was preparing for this message, it was very easy to get distracted because I got a lot of time constraints and things going on in my life and, you know, sensitive situations of things I need to be working on. So it's easy to get distracted as you're working on a message. And um, I also have a young man that likes my attention as well. So he was trying to distract me also. I've got a couple props I'd like to show you. 
Let's see. Okay. So what do these look like to you? Doyle probably knows. You know, what do these look like here? They're Coke bottles, actually. They're kind of green because it's a new type of uh, Coke that they have. But to Samuel, these are drumsticks. You know, he likes to drum, and he's my drumming man. He's really good at drumming, so while I'm doing my message, he likes to go around the house drumming and trying to distract. And so it's a good example of how you can get distracted. But to avoid that distraction, we need to take measures to not get distracted. So while I was working on my message, if I can get these open, I love the color of the pink. Alyssa let me borrow these. But I put these on. So that way, you know, I don't get distracted. So we got to do what it takes to get not distracted. So it's, it's good to have props, but you do what it takes to not get distracted. Please turn with me to 2 Kings 20, verses 12 through 19 to further discuss this uh, part of distraction. At the time, Barodash Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them, and showed them all of the house and his treasures, the silver and the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all the armory, all was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house and all of his domain that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Hezekiah the prophet went to king, excuse me, then Isaiah the prophet went to king Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what they have seen, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen it all in my house. There's nothing among my treasures I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the place of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, Will there not be peace and truth, at least in my days? So he didn't seem real concerned because it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. But because of Hezekiah's poor choices, it had consequences. It impacted his family for generations. We need to make sure we're making wise choices. Because our actions don't affect just us. They affect others around us as well. So we need to make sure to not get distracted and you know, cause problems for other people as well. Again, focus on the plan. Don't get distracted like King Hezekiah did. We need to focus on God and not get distracted. Satan is a great distractor. Please turn with me to Ephesians 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Satan is clever. He uses distractions to catch us off guard and get us off track. And they can be very subtle. We may not even realize at a time where we think it's our thought when it's actually him. So we've got to be on guard. Now turn with me please to 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober, 
Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan will do all he can to distract us and try to get our minds off of the fall holy days. He hates God's plan, and he wants nothing more than to destroy us. Let's now go to Ephesians 5, verses 14 through 16 as well. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We have to be intentional in all we do to make sure we use the time properly to prepare. Why do we keep the feast? Well, the reason is the feast is a dress rehearsal for his kingdom, it's for God's kingdom. So to further talk about that, let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24, please. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. We're running to obtain a crown. We're going to be in God's kingdom, so we need to prepare for that. So we need to be focused and not get distracted. So just like an athlete, we are competing... We're in training, preparing. And just like behind the scenes plans are being made for the setup of the feast, we need to be working on our plans as well so that everything goes smoothly for our part also. So besides physically preparing, we need to prepare spiritually. This is a time of revival for us. So my second point is, pray about the feast. If we are praying about the feast, it will also help us to stay on task, so we're not easily distracted from it. Please now turn with me to Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So like I was saying, pray for those that are working behind the scenes, preparing for the feast. And there's a lot involved that we don't understand or know about. So we need to be praying about that as well. And there's parts that we do understand and know about. We need to pray about that too. We need to pray about all aspects of the feast. And, you know, we need to pray for each other's safe travels. There's been times in the past where people on the way to the feast have uh, had ser serious car accidents. You know, some people have actually died on the way to the feast, and time and chance can happen to any of us. So we need to pray about that as well. Uh, pray for those who are serving in all areas, that it's all done to God's glory. And also pray that we can rejoice and help others to rejoice at the feast also. There might be somebody there that's having a rough time, had a rough year, and we can kind of lift them up and just inspire everyone. Another good idea for my next point, make a pre-feast list. To help avoid pre-feast trials, it's best to not wait till the last minute. So you should sit down with your family and make a semi-detailed plan of what you'd like to, to do as far as preparing. Please turn with me to Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. Great example here. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides for supplies in the summer and gathers for food in the harvest. Now, this doesn't come natural to me. I'm kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of a guy. Uh, but I'm trying to do better, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else. 
So it's good to just sit down and make a list. Uh, Kim, she's, I don't think she might if I talk about this, she's a, a list maker. And she's really good about it. In fact, I even have a song that I sing to her about it. It's like from uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, I think, is where they list maker, list maker. I, I sing that instead of uh, <laughs> the real words to the song. And she really enjoys it when I do that. Another thing to do is um, make sure that you get time off from work. I was just thinking the other day, I really hadn't planned to get the time off yet. And I'm sure my boss wouldn't appreciate it if I went into him the week before and, hey, I need time off now. So that's just something to think about. Just have a list and check it off as you're going through. Uh, you should probably have decided where you're going for the feast about at this time. <laughs> if you haven't decided, you may want to get on that now. And do you have a place lined up? Have you decided what kind of accommodations you're going to need? It may be hard for you to rejoice if you're on the third um, level and you wanted to be on the ground level if you have difficulty getting around. Is your car ready? You need to make sure the maintenance is up on that. It might be a silly question, but you know, you could avoid unnecessary due stress if you're stranded on the side of the road on the way to the feast. And can your car even make it? You might want to consider renting a car if it's not able to go. Yeah, you don't want to wait till the last minute before the feast and replace your upper and lower ball joints on your car like I did one year, so very good idea to keep up on the maintenance. Also, don't wait till the last minute to pack. You know, there was one year on the way to the feast, we didn't prepare, and we, we packed late, and we ended up leaving, and we had to spend the night in another place because there was elk all over the road, and we were advised, you need to stay the night ahead of time before you get to the feast because there's just elk all over the place, and it was a dangerous situation to drive in as dark as it was. So because of that, we didn't end up getting there until the, like the day the feast began. So it's definitely a good idea to prepare and make sure that everything is ready before you go. Just take the extra time to make the list and work on it. You know, just, do you have somebody to take care of your pets? Do you need new clothes? Um, your suit's getting dry cleaned. Just as you're going down the list, make sure you're checking all these things. Another good idea is get a copy of the feast activity list, wherever you're going, there should have a feast activity list. Go through there and decide what would you like to do and how you're going to plan it out and how everybody is going to be a part of it. Because, you know, your kids may want to go do something that uh, conflicts with something you want to do. Maybe there's a Bible study going on at the same time. Or Usually the way it's planned out, though, is that you're able to do all the activities. But it's just a good idea to find out what everybody would like to do. Please now turn with me to De Deuteronomy 14, verses 26. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice with your household. You're obviously not going to go buy sheep and oxen and take to the feast, but get a fine steak or you know, a nice piece of uh, uh -oh, filet mignon or something of that nature. We're supposed to spend our money on whatever our hearts desires. So, you know, decide if there's a fancy restaurant you want to go to or a show you'd like to see, uh, what fun things the kids would like to do. It's good to get their input because, you know, Samuel and Alyssa were telling me all the fun things that they would like to do and some of the things I don't want to do that we thought would be fun, but, you know, it's, it's good to get an input from them as well because we're making memories for them and it's important that they're, it's their feast as well. But don't overdo it. You want to be careful not to overdo it at the feast. You get running around so much. I've had feasts like that before. You plan so much going on that you need a break after the feast because you did so much. 
So plan on getting plenty of rest as well. On to my next point. Be involved. Turn with me, please, to Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. Like I've said before, yeah, you can sleep when you're dead. You know, get busy and help out and do what you can. As for God's guidance on how we should be preparing also, maybe we have a talent that God wants us to be using to glorify him and others. There are plenty of areas where our talents can be used. Uh, here's a good example. If there's anybody that's wanting to help with song leading during the feast, uh, we could use a few extra people. If anybody's interested, I thought I'd throw a plug in there now. And also during the feast, there's a lot of other opportunities to help. There's nightly activities that require setup. Um, if you can arrive before the feast, more hands make lighter work. Getting everything set up before the feast and taking it down as well. There, in the kitchen, I know the ladies that work the, the kitchen every year would love to have extra help. And you don't need to go in every single day, but just if you've got a few extra moments to help out, anywhere you think you could use, uh, they could use help, it would be greatly appreciated. You know, there's many areas uh, we don't need to be afraid about getting involved because we're a family. We all work together, and that's how families work, to function properly. So speaking of that, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. For the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. As the verse goes on, we realize we have different jobs in the body. We need to ask God to help us decide we are best suited to help. If you have, like I talked about in previous messages, you need to kind of pray and ask for God's guidance of where you best are suited to help. Okay, so my next point. Be a light. Be a forerunner of God's kingdom. Remember the feast is a special time for us to be depicting the millennium. We need to be thoughtful, cautious, and courteous to those around us. Not just with those within our group, but around through the world as well, the ones that see us as we're out in these areas where we're attending. Our actions speak louder than words. Now turn with me to Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled under foot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People around us do watch and they pay attention to us. Our actions speak louder than words, like I mentioned. The best way to promote God's kingdom is through ourselves, interacting with others. And if a conversation allows, talk to people about the feast wherever you go. So today I just wanted to talk about how we can improve in being prepared for the feast. So the, fe the feast is a total success, and to get ready for it. 
So in conclusion, I just want to go back over the points really quick. My first point was, don't get distracted. Satan tries to get us distracted in every way that he can. To avoid that, we pray. That's the second point. We pray and ask God's help that we don't be distracted. And we pray for the feast and pray for everything involved about it. Next point, make a pre-feast list. Put everything on that list you can think of. Because you don't want to get to the feast and realize you left your shoes. <laughs> or you got one black shoe and a brown one. You know, just crazy things. I know it's simple, but just something to think about. Next point, be involved. It seems like the feasts where I've been involved are the ones that are most memorable. Where you're just helping out and doing what you can. Last point, be a light, be a forerunner of God's kingdom. This is the training for God's kingdom. We go and we learn. Um, it's more about his way of life. At this point now, I have a video that I'd like to show that has some great parallels of running our race, preparing for God's kingdom. Remember, we only have 37 days left to prepare and train for the feast. Use your time wisely. Rise and shine. 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you that it's too early, too dark, and too cold to get out of bed. Aching muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting their unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance. A voice that says there was a reason you set that alarm in the first place. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. Welcome to the grind. For what is each day but a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way? 10,000 streams fan out like a river delta before you, each one promising the path of least resistance. Thing is, you're headed upstream. And when you make that choice, when you decide to turn your back on what's comfortable and safe and what some would call common sense, well, that's day one. From there, it only gets tougher. So just make sure this is something you want, because the easy way out will always be there, ready to wash you away. All you have to do is pick up your feet. But you aren't going to, are you? With each step comes the decision to take another. You're on your way now, but this is no time to dwell on how far you've come. You're in a fight against an opponent you can't see, but oh, you can feel him on your heels, can't you? Feel him breathing down your neck. You know what that is? That's you. Your fears, your doubts, and insecurities all lined up like a firing squad, ready to shoot you out of the sky. But don't lose heart. While they're not easily defeated, they are far from invincible. Remember, this is the grind, the battle royale between you and your mind, your body and the devil on your shoulders telling you that this is just a game, this is just a waste of time, your opponents are stronger than you. Drown out the voice of uncertainty with the sound of your own heartbeat, burn away your self-doubt with a fire lit beneath you, remember what we're fighting for and never forget that momentum is a cruel mistress, she can turn on a dime or the smallest mistake. She is ever searching for the weak place in your armor, that one tiny thing you forgot to prepare for. 
So as long as the devil is hiding the details, the question remains, is that all you got? Are you sure? And when the answer is yes, when you've done all you can to prepare yourself for battle, then it's time to go forth and boldly face your enemy, the enemy within. Only now you must take that fight into the open, into hostile territory. You're a lion in a field of lions, all hunting the same elusive prey with a desperate starvation that says victory is the only thing that can keep you alive. So believe that voice that says you can run a little faster and you can throw a little harder and that for you, the laws of physics are merely a suggestion. Luck is the last dying wish of those who want to believe that winning can happen by accident. Sweat, on the other hand, is for those who know it's a choice. So decide now, because destiny waits for no man. And when your time comes and a thousand different voices are trying to tell you you're not ready for it, listen instead to that lone voice of dissent. The one that says you are ready. You are prepared. It's all up to you now. So rise and shine.